Alrighty. Hello, everybody, and welcome back again. Uh, so I'm actually going to cover the movie The Matrix. Now, it's obvious that I would do something like this because my brand is around Matrix Breakers, right? Um, of course, I didn't know that the cyberpunk movie, the trilogy that once was from the late 90s and 2000, would actually come out with a fourth installment. So, you know, uh, personally, I mean, I love the movie The Matrix. I think it was um, a really well done film and um, or trilogy. And then for them to come out with the most recent update of The Matrix was even more interesting. So I'd love to give you guys some perspective on what I thought about the movie and then help you understand the plot a little bit better for those of you who were maybe watching it because, you know, whatever, you didn't really, you haven't really seen the other ones or you haven't seen them in years. There's a lot of people that are in that boat where you just saw them, but you saw all, you saw them a long time ago. A lot of people with the, the movie, The Matrix, they only saw the first one um, or they just didn't understand it. And so I think that, you know, obviously the movies themselves are way ahead of their time. You know, the plot is very, you know, it's very deep. It's very thick. There's actually so much room to move around in. So the first thing I've noticed about The Matrix, the movie, or the movies, plural, um, is that there are so many ways to actually get creative with the concepts that are from the movie um, and, and that are in the story, right? There's so many ways to get creative because, you know, like there are, um, of course, there's there's Neo, uh, the chosen one, if you will. Um, there's, of course, the AI sort of robot systems that are apparently in control of the entire world, right? And they're farming human beings for their electrical energy because the Earth is a nuclear wasteland. So that's kind of the story. I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, then you have the, the, the matrix itself was designed for the purpose of plugging human beings into it because according to the movies and some of the writings about the matrix, the robotic AI used farmed humans. So they used humans for their electrical power, but the humans were dying too easily because there was no, there was nothing to live for, right? They were just suffering in their little in their little cell uh, where they were being juiced from, right? The battery, they were essentially a battery, right? Well, the Matrix was a, a simulation for those human beings to coexist in um, like a program so that they could live out their full adult lives. So that way they're not just babies and then they end up dying because they're just like, you know, plugged into everything and suffering and dying. Well, they have this, instead of that, the matrix is the simulation so that they actually grow and start aging inside of their little, you know, pods or whatever. And then that way those, that electrical energy can continue to generate like a battery, but generate for the life cycle of the entire human being's life. So that's why they created the matrix. The matrix is the simulation that their brain is plugged into and it is also coexisting with other sort of human beings, creating that mass consciousness. Uh, and it's, it, it, it mimics or mirrors reality. That way, um, the humans that are plugged into it don't actually realize that they're inside of a simulation. So that had the matrix the, um, in the old ones, that was the, the architect. 
the architect was a character who designed the program. So he actually designed the Matrix program itself. Um, and through his design, he had to make it to where the reality created inside of the simulation was so closely related to real life, what life was like before the war with the robots, but what life was like in human you know, existence. It had to be so close to it so that the humans didn't distort reality from fiction. They had to be completely bought into this sort of this matrix program. So you're, you're so that you have these all that that is a huge element, right, of the the matrix itself. But then inside of the matrix, very similarly in the late 90s, they knew that there were different things about computer systems already at the time where there were viruses, there were anomalies, there were random sets of code that would be created out of nowhere. And so what you know, is in the movies is this idea that inside the matrix, there's also what we would call programs. Um, some of them created by the architect so that those programs had a specific purpose. Um, like for example, the Oracle was a program embedded inside of the matrix, but the Oracle that her like sort of designated task was to understand human being emotions uh, and for for whatever it's worth human being psychology and so with that sort of understanding this oracle program that was developed would return back to the architect to try and uh, give that give him like a report on the emotional sort of stability of the human beings plugged into the matrix and or uh to help the architect make the matrix even better. Um, and so to the architect who's creating the matrix, making it even better looks like making it closer and closer to reality, to where the humans would never wake up, right? Because if there was a mass consciousness awakening or panic inside of the matrix, I think that if they woke up, for example, in their little cells, they would all end up dying immediately. Um, and then, because if they're not saved, because in the Matrix movies, Neo's actually saved, right? I mean, they pull out all the wires out of him, but they actually grab him and save him. Whereas if people were all to be sort of if awakened randomly or spontaneously, or because of some glitch in the Matrix that sort of caused a problem to where humans started to question their own reality, they would wake up from the, that slumber and potentially die in their cells. Well, that's a big problem for the robots and the AI at the time because that was their power system. They used human bodies for their power system. So they could never ever have humans wake up to the reality of what they were in because ultimately that would be the end of the robotic system themselves. So it's a, it's a parasitic sort of relationship between robots, the AI, and um, human beings. And they need each other, right? Uh, humans don't know that, but like the humans are sort of stuck in that vessel. So it's a really interesting movie. It's very deep. Obviously, the movies themselves are science fiction and they are um, very much um, ahead of their time. You know, but you you have these different white papers coming out in the uh, 50s and 60s that discussed a lot of this this concept about electrical energy coming from human beings and how we have electrical systems inside of us that actually generate a certain amount of kilowatts. I think 
I forgot what it was, but um, we, we apparently the human body has enough electricity to power homes. I think plural, like it's not just like, you know, one home. I think that we have enough energy just in ourselves. So, you know, when you get into that study around that in the 50s and 60s, they were already studying that in human beings. And so this is like really breakthrough technology, this idea that, you know, you could use human energy to essentially power a certain system. Now, when you're talking about biochemical energy, you're talking about electrical energy, you know, we were sort of limited in scope in terms of what we would actually, you know, do. Um, is it true that they've used um, baby body parts and things of that nature to um, power different hospital refineries or whatever, hospital, whatever it was, there was some some huge story out of the UK that where they were using aborted baby fetal tissue to, to power something. So, um, it, you know, that's it's because that's interesting. But the point is, is like you get into this world of today, you kind of bleed that through. There's a lot of uh, different things that the people who actually wrote The Matrix, who actually wrote the movie and stuff, they were pretty much tied into a lot of this sort of technological advancement or revolution. You know, today we obviously hear of Neuralink. Um, you know, we hear about implanting a, a microchip in your brain, right, in order to, uh, according to Elon Musk, to improve the capability of the brain. You know, I think that um, it's starting off from Elon Musk's company Neuralink as a way for amputees, for example, like people who are, you know, have limbs cut off, things like that, to actually sort of ha have this chip, this technology that allows them to really work um, more... How, how do I put it? The, the more connected to their robotic system, whether if it's a, it's a if it's an arm or both arms or legs or whatever, that the Neuralink will actually help them code and connect, almost like a Bluetooth, to their legs that are amputees, so that they can walk normally, like as normal as as a human being could walk, right? And so, um, obviously, that's going to take a lot of research and a lot of development, but you know that's how it's all starting off, and so. Where more and more, I think we are living in a world that technology is a, we are cyborgs. And uh, of course, Elon Musk also mentions that on the Joe Rogan podcast famously, where he said that people with a telephone are sort of like infinitely smarter than somebody without a telephone. So we are kind of like a cyborg in a way that we have technology connected to us, whether it's it's not a part of us, you know, the phone isn't really like physically attached to us necessarily. You do have smartwatches though. Um, you do have other things that are kind of attached, more attached onto us, but the phone is an extension of who we are. And so the phone itself, like any smartphone, they call it that for a reason, because it is able to access the internet and with the internet essentially comes endless possibilities, right? And so we get into a lot of this information around technological sort of scientific connection between human beings and, um, and technology. Uh, and so, you know, with the matrix that, that concept was so new and, and so fresh that it actually frightened a lot of people kind of like jaws, right? Uh, jaws, um, even though shark attacks happen like maybe three times a year, like, you know, very, very, very rarely, um, jaws, the movie, when it came out, it actually caused, um, a sort of a mass psychosis around, around, around the beach and around the ocean. Um, so much so that um, tourism to beach locations, you know, summers, they were statistically tracking this, a few summers after Jaws would come out and then more, you know, Jaws 2 and Jaws 3 and all these different, 
what was happening was tourism was starting to go down. It was actually a real problem. People literally were scared to go to the fucking beach because they thought that they would get eaten by jaws or like a shark attack. You know, they actually thought that. And so people started becoming more and more afraid of something that really didn't exist. So of course, beach towns were losing all this revenue and all this ho these hotels and stuff. So they actually had to actively invest money into research that showed how very rarely shark attacks actually happen. And then they had to fund all this stuff about shark watch and like having lifeguards out there and having boats patrolling and stuff. I mean, it was a real crazy thing in the 90s where the beaches were full of these sort of patrols and, and, and shark patrols and, and these different things. I mean, somebody who's a little older than me can kind of give me a, an idea of what that was actually like. But apparently it really did hurt a lot of these cities and towns. So similarly, the Matrix movie kind of had that same effect on human beings. People kind of became a little bit more afraid of technology. They became more aware of artificial intelligence and how artificial intelligence could get out of hand. It could essentially grow into something more, something that, uh, that was out of control, out of human control. And so, you know, I think that, um, you know, the movies themselves are really interesting. And I think that, you know, people kind of, um, I think put aside a lot of that stuff and, and they don't think about it very much, but let's get into, I guess the, uh, the movie, the, the matrix resurrections, the movie, right? And so why is it called resurrection? Well, it's called resurrection because, you know, uh, this is total spoiler, by the way, especially if you've never watched the Matrix movies or whatever. If you don't really care, that's not my problem. I'm definitely just going to share all the things around the Matrix movies. So uh, if you remember, Neo and Trinity, they both actually died, right? And so um, before I actually even get into that, let me explain how in the first Matrix movie, there were a lot of correlations between Neo, the Chosen One, and the Bible and Jesus. So there are a couple correlations. Number one is that Neo is this idea, this Chosen One, right? And he is um, sort of like born into the world, but then of course taken out and, and out, out of the Matrix, right? And uh, he is given this sort of idea of like the Son of God or like this Chosen One. Well, then he, the ship that actually flies around, you know, is called the Nebuchadnezzar, which is another biblical name for uh, a king, right? So uh, that's one other biblical element of that. And then, of course, guys, the city that is underground inside of the earth, the core of the earth, right? It had to go, you know, the city was built inside the core of the earth. That's where the robots can't, you know, reach the real human beings that still are alive. They are in the core of the earth. Well, that city is called Zion you know, which is another very, very well-known city inside of the Old Testament. And so you get a lot of biblical, you know, re re references there. Um, when Neo is inside of the Matrix, um, he's doing his things. He's sort of performing miracles. Um, inside the Matrix, Neo is able to fly and he is able to fight the agents. The agents inside of the Matrix were some of these really the most, some really powerful um fighters and beings that existed inside of the matrix as a, a sort of a, an, a code of enforcement or law enforcement figures inside the matrix to make sure that if anybody did wake up inside the matrix or take the red pill, for example, 
that the agents would come in and make sure to clamp that situation down as soon as possible so that other humans don't wake up. So the agents inside of the matrix, their role is to keep everyone asleep. Their, their role is to make sure that the fabric of the matrix is not disturbed so that everybody just you know continues living life like normal and doesn't really see the fact that they are in a simulation, right? And so the agents are super powerful. Well, Neo is really the only person who's able to directly take on agents. He's actually able to fight and defeat and kill agents. So again, making him more powerful inside of the Matrix. Well, then when Neo dies in the first one, he actually dies. Um, he was shot and he was killed, right? In the movie, he was dead for three minutes and 33 seconds. And then he was resurrected. This is representative of Christ who died for three days and then was resurrected on the third day. And this is, you know, um, Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. This is the concept of Christian, uh, the biblical aspect of Christianity. Well, when Neo actually comes, resurrects, he's, he's already resurrected once. So he comes back to life inside the matrix where he was, he was able to get killed inside the matrix, but then he was able to come back to life. And when he came back to life was when he got his ultimate superpower, very similar to Jesus. Jesus, in the biblical terms, when he died, he defeated the devil. The devil was sort of, you know, thinking that he wanted to kill the son of God because that was the first thing the devil thought of, right? A very linear way of thinking, right? Very one-dimensional thinking, which is just like, this is the son of God. He's supposed to be king of all the earth. And he's going he's gonna to rule over everybody as he's alive and he's going to live forever on earth. That was what the devil thought. And someone else who studies Christianity and, and studies the Bible probably knows a little more than I do on this. But from what I understand, the devil thought that Jesus was going to be alive. He's the son of God. He's going to be the king of the world. And this was the end of the devil's reign over the world. And so this is like leading to biblical prophecy from the Old Testament. Well, the then, of course, ends up happening is Jesus sacrifices himself, right? He he is he is he is crucified, which is the worst way to die in the Roman way. Um, but of course they crucified many, many people, by the way. They crucified thousands and thousands, especially Jews, by the way. They crucified Jews very, very normally back in uh, during the Roman Empire before Jesus' time as well. And so the crucifixion of Jesus ends up him dying, but then what happens? He's dead. Three days later, he rises again. Many witnesses saw this, right? We have to go through the historical terms on that. And that he is sort of risen and he essentially disappears, right? And um, this is where people have to realize that Jesus's ultimate goal was to die because in his death, he defeated death itself for others, for all humans. And again, I'm not perfect at explaining this, but the concept of the Bible is essentially is saying that when Jesus died, he absolved all of the sin in the world. And this is why in Christian belief, they believe that when you accept Jesus into your heart, you're absolved of all of your sin. And so the idea that Jesus is more powerful, he's more timeless, essentially. He lives sort of forever on earth, but in a spiritual sense, right? Um, this is the way Neo exists inside of the Matrix. He is able to be in the Matrix and not worry about being killed in the Matrix because he's already been killed. So he's already resurrected. So um, I think I find it funny when they say resurrection. I think that they, they kind of have a reference there. But of course, when he does end up actually in the third one going to defeat this 
this system of control, he was able to do so with Trinity, of course, but Trinity dies and then he gives himself over to this, the AI, this thing that was like, you know, this big old like blob or whatever that was talking to him in the last one. And that thing killed him, but it, it saved Zion. So again, a lot of this biblical ter terminology as well, which is that Jesus, son of God, you know, saves Jerusalem. This is this Israel, um, which is God's people, the Jews, all these things. And so um, these were kinds of the, these were the elements of biblical, but also where Neo was. And that's kind of the story before, you know, um, this, this fourth one that comes out, right? And so in this fourth one, um, apparently what has, what happened was there was a new architect, but he wasn't named the architect. He was somebody else who's called the analyst, which I'm going to get into in a minute. But the analyst in this movie, he, or in this storyline of the matrix and this new one, he resurrected Neo. So he actually got Neo they, they took, you know, his body and they put it all back together and then they literally gave him life again and then they put him back in the matrix only to realize that they also needed Trinity to power up their system even more. So then they got Trinity and Neo to be close enough where they were still in the matrix, but they were going to be separately in the matrix. But what ha the whole purpose of that was to... What what the um, what the AI or robots robotic system whatever you want to call it in the movie The Matrix what they realized about Neo is that Neo is this anomaly, as we mentioned the architect makes the Matrix right he builds the Matrix but there are viruses and there are there are different sort of things that pop up inside of the system inside of the software inside of the Matrix that are uncontrolled. And the way they control it is using things like agents, right? Agents are there to stop, you know, these different anomalies from happening. But also, agents are there to suppress or to control these programs like the Oracle. Who, the Oracle, by the way, as I mentioned earlier, her, she, she was originally supposed to study human beings, but then she ended up siding with the humans and trying to give them wisdom and trying to help them exit the matrix and, and helping them do all these things. And that's why the Oracle was playing such a key role inside of Neo's life during the first trilogy. Well, in this one, they were very interested. The analyst, this character and the analyst was very interested in, um, Neo as an anomaly, right? Because Neo is a source of code that fascinates the people who are designing the matrix, the AI, the, uh, the, the, you know, yeah, like the powerful robotic system, this, this robotic, you know, authoritarianism, whatever exists in that, that AI world, they were fascinated with Neo as a program being inside of the matrix, always having this anomaly. Of course, the architect explains in the previous movies that, okay, I built the matrix, but you being Neo, you keep showing up, but we've defeated you and we've defeated Zion multiple times. There's like multiple realities that have already happened where you think you're the chosen one. You think you're going to come here and change everything, but in reality, you're just a anomaly that we already know how to destroy and then we just have to do it, rebuild it again and then we have to do this, you know, where we have to defeat you again at a later date. And so the architect already explained this. Well, 
The analyst says, hey, instead of waiting for Neo to come back in, the, in some distant future and, and fuck things up for the Matrix, what, they were, what the analyst was saying is like, we need to just put Neo back in, use his code, and give him power, but control him inside of the Matrix. That way, his source code doesn't get duplicated in some other later version of the Matrix. And so I know this is kind of confusing for a lot of people who are like, I've never watched the Matrix or, you know, I could care less. But this is really, really important because it's fascinating to see how these concepts play out in real life. Um, because when Neo is back in the Matrix, what I really appreciated about this movie is that A, is that they actually did this and they put Neo in the Matrix to try and to control his, his himself, but also using his source code to stop Neo from ever uh, being put into the Matrix again. Does that make any sense? Like, because Neo is an anomaly inside of the software, instead of, you know, rebuilding the software and then expecting that anomaly to come back in, they're actually putting the anomaly back into this, the newer software, the newer Matrix, so that they can control that anomaly and then therefore they don't have the anomaly coming in the future. That's what they thought they could do, right? Well, of course, Neo is, you know, he's inside the Matrix and then, he, but he's still the chosen one, right? He's still this powerful being, but he doesn't know it. He's been trained to believe that what he experienced, those memories that he has, are actually just delusions. And the analyst himself is his therapist, right? His psychiatrist who sees him, you know, every week or whatever. And Neo explains to him, I've had these 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 memories, they're just like, I have these visions, you know, of like this, that we're living in this matrix and we're, we're and I was in this city called Zion and, and I had this existence where I was, I was unplugged. And so he has all these memories, but they're repressed. And then ironically, which I find this is interesting, the, uh, the, the psychiatrist that he has is the creator of this new matrix. So to say that the analyst has a close eye on Neo is like, you, you know, below what you can actually mean. I mean, like you, to say it is, is not to even mean it because really he is his psychiatrist. He is so close to him. He's keeping the closest eye he possibly can. And he is so close that Neo is like confiding in this, this, this analyst, this, what he thinks is a psychiatrist, but into the creator of the matrix, telling him exactly how he's feeling, exactly what he's going through, everything that's going on in his life, how he thinks about it all. So the analyst is clearly a part of the movie. He's also really a part of Neo's life, a part of Neo's very deep personal life. And of course, with, with this in mind, you know, the analyst creates this trust between Neo uh, and, and him, and that's unbreakable, right? Because that's that. And then what I thought, what I thought was cool was, uh, that the analyst is prescribing him pills for his, you know, psychiatric sort of episodes, right? And they call them episodes because like he thinks he lives in a matrix and he thinks that he can fly, right? Because he has memories of him flying in the, in the trilogy, right? Well, they give him these blue pills, as a form of prescription. So he's, he's prescribed these blue pills. And I just think that's funny because of course we know that the blue pill is what keeps you asleep. It's what keeps you in the program. It's what keeps you forgetting about all of your, you know, what, what, whatever you experienced as, you know, a distortion in reality. If you remember Morpheus in the last one, in the last, in the trilogy, um, 
he explained the red and blue pill and he, he said, you know, um, if you choose the blue pill, you know, you will go back to sleep. Like you will, you will not, you know, um, remember any of what you have seen. You, you will go right back into the matrix and just exist there and forget about sort of the, you know, um, the idea that you distorted the matrix, because as you all know, with any software, there's little, there's glitches in the matrix. So the glitches in the matrix that do happen, you know, obviously people have these awakenings and then, you know, there are people like Morpheus and others who are constantly like saving souls, which also is biblical because you, uh, biblically speaking, the, uh, Christians, you know, they believe that they are here to have to, um, what's the word? They have a gospel, right? And uh, gosh, I forgot the word, but I'm I'm looking for it. It's it's prophetize. It, it's it's um, oh my gosh, it's a whole. It's not Protestant, but it's oh my gosh. Anyway, they um they want to save souls, right? So they tell others about Jesus, right? And this is their idea of saving that soul. Well, that's kind of what Morpheus is. Morpheus is like the ultimate apostle, right? Because he is there to save souls, but then he is like John the Baptist. John the Baptist's role, of course, with Jesus was to baptize him, but also to um, sort of be that mentor for Jesus early in his life and then early in his ministry. So that's John the Baptist. Well, Morpheus is John the Baptist in this in the in the trilogy in these in these movies. And so, if you remember how the blue pill is what keeps you asleep, so you can take it and it will it will essentially put you back in the matrix. You'll forget about any of the little glitches that you saw. You'll forget about any other little visions or anything else. And so people choose that blue pill. Of course, we all know people who in our lives who've waken up and they've seen different elements of like the media or, you know, this whole mass psychosis of COVID and all this crazy shit. And they, they, they see it, but then they just consciously get too scared of the truth and they get scared of the red pill. And then they take that blue pill because it's just more comfortable. It's just better for their reality. They, they like the matrix, excuse me. They like the matrix. Right. And so, you know, the, uh, you know, I think, um, let's see, I wrote some notes here. Yeah, so the idea of taking that blue pill, imagine how powerful, let's say, Neo is, right? And uh, Neo is so powerful that he has these blue pills and he takes them every single day, right? That is that is the way the analyst keeps him under control is that he is on the blue pill and he is convinced that he needs the blue pill because he has these random visions, these random memories. And so to only to repress those memories, to stop those sort of to, to you know forget about those glitches in the matrix, he has to continue to take those blue pills. So I, I thought that was really cool. I uh, I don't know I don't know what other people thought about the matrix or the movie or people who are very into it. Some people didn't like it, obviously, but it's, at the end of the day, like they weren't supposed to be making a very they're not even supposed to be making this movie, you know. And so for me, I'm like. Whatever. They have already made the movie. I think the film was a good job. I thought the plot was cool. So, of course, being Neo and being as strong as he is and having these visions, well, what they did, the analyst thought was smart, which I thought was kind of cool, was in the plot, in the movie plot itself, was to make Neo a video game developer because Neo was so dedicated to this idea of the Matrix and this idea of everything that happened and, and all this stuff that he actually built a video game called The Matrix, and he made, you know, three video games. But in reality, of course, we know that the video game 
uh, inside the movie is just the trilogy, right? It's the it's the it's his memories. It's it's the three movies that already happened. And so instead of you know having it to where it's his memories, they made it because because you know the analyst understood that like Neo is not going to forget about this. Like he is such a powerful person, he's not going to forget. And so they made it into a video game. Neo is creating the video game itself. And then of course um, you have Agent Smith. Who Agent Smith in this particular you know movie is um, what is he? He's like a he's he's his partner in the video the video game development right, and um, but, but before I get into the, the uh, Agent Smith and and his role in this whole thing, I think that uh, I wanted to read something from this is from Wiki like fandom. If you ever heard about that, um, I wanted to read about the the analyst a little bit so if those of you don't understand who the analyst was or what his role was in the in the movie let me read this to you and i think i'll read us a little bit of excerpts from this i think you'll understand better about the whole movie so um the analyst is the therapist of thomas anderson of course neo and the main antagonist of the matrix resurrections so essentially he's he's the he is the antagonist right uh, he usurped control of the Matrix from the Architect. As I mentioned before, the Architect was this previous creator of the Matrix, and so now he's got he's, the Analyst is the creator of this new Matrix. So he uh, he has usurped control of the Matrix, and he updated the Matrix to better control the humans within it, purging many programs in the process. He then possess, uh, posed as Neo's therapist to keep access to him. So um, here's an important thing. So like I said, there are programs inside of the Matrix that existed that were like they weren't necessarily under full control. If you remember the Merovigian, that guy, he um, was actually the um, he's kind of like a mobster type. You know, he was kind of a mafia type figure in the old movies where he had control of these other programs, and these other programs are powerful. They're more powerful because they're not human. Humans are plugged into the Matrix. Programs are designed as a part of the Matrix, um, but ultimately they, you know, they can be deleted, right? But also to balance, this is where again more biblical references to counterbalance some of the human interactions. You had to create programs to make sure that that to, to make sure that those human beings' existence inside the Matrix seemed more and more normal. Um, programs have all different purposes. As I mentioned, the Oracle is a program, right? Um, agents are programs. And then of course there's, there's all these different ones. So, um, when they say the purge in the movie, the resurrections, they mean that there was a, a, a deletion of programs inside of the old matrix. They actually deleted a lot of programs and they rebooted the matrix, right? So the analyst was created to understand human psychology. So the Oracle is created to understand human, um, emotion. So psychology in order to control them better in some ways making him a new attempt by the architect to replicate the original role of the oracle however while the oracle's better understanding of humanity led her to side with them so the oracle ended up joining them right in the old movies and that's why the oracle helped neo with with awakening and the awakening process the analyst did the opposite he came to see the architect's mathematical control of humanity to be incompetent so uh, the analyst and the oracle are these two opposite sides where the oracle was to was designed to study the human emotional parts of of human psychology and then the uh, analyst was designed to study purely human psychology like how humans work how humans tick right and so uh, that's why he chose to take over right the analyst later said 
uh, derisive, derisively uh, that the matrix is as designed by the architect was all fussy facts and equations because he loved precision and hated the human mind. Instead of trying to control humans, propensity for belief and self-delusion, the analyst decided to work with it. According to the analyst, the architect never realized that humans don't care about facts, but rather about fiction. All that matters is the world within their own mind, and humans generally believe what they want to believe. So uh, again, this is really, really, really key because the analyst is dropping nuggets about human psychology, uh, but it's so relevant to our, our world today. Think about this again. I'm going to read it again. According to the analyst, the architect never realized that humans don't care about facts, but rather about fiction. So the architect was designed the matrix prior to be all about factual reality, like how things would be in the old world where humans actually lived, right? Whereas what the what the analyst is saying is that humans generally believe what they want to believe. That that the uh, rather um, he said that they they humans don't care about facts, but rather about fiction. All that matters is the world within their own mind, and humans generally believe what they want to believe. So he understands that human psychology is dedicated to false like programs like instead of making it to where it's super close to what earth was like before the war before the robots took over right instead of doing it like that the analyst says why don't we just create a whole new matrix and make it designed to just be what we want and what we know humans are already designed to do they're already delusional humans are already delusional and so he wanted to use their delusions around fiction like, as he said, they don't like facts. They like fiction. They like fiction. They like the ideas of different things, like video games and things like that, right? So the analyst was present when Neo sacrificed himself in the machine city to stop Smith, okay? Smith was another a virus, right? And was tasked with analyzing Neo's body. So this is the analyst uh, to try to better understand the code anomaly that he embodied and which granted him reality-warping powers within the Matrix. So... The analyst was was his task was to study the code of Neo. Like what about Neo is different than what we continue to get in this in the Matrix? Because remember, Neo is a real human. He's not a program. Neo is a real human. So what happens is you're farming all these humans, and so one of these humans eventually turns into Neo. They turn into this anomaly, right? And this is where they, he says that they granted him reality warping powers within the matrix. So they kept coming up with this Neo factor, this Neo anomaly, right? So the machines never created the anomaly. They merely redirected it in each matrix cycle, but even they did not perfectly understand it. So again, the machine world and the machine system, they knew the anomaly existed. They knew that Neo would always come back. They always, they knew that Neo was inevitable and that that's just what it was. But they, what this, this description was is that the machines redirected it. They always redirected it in each new matrix cycle because they would, there were cycles of matrix, uh, matrices is what they, plural. Uh, and the architect explains that in the, in the prior movies. The architect explains like, Neo, you're not the chosen one. Like you are just this anomaly that we continue to have problems with. We continue to have these issues because that's just the way programs work. You know, you make these wonderful softwares, these 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 matrices, this matrix that we built, and there's always going to be different elements of anomalies. Uh, the analyst soon discovered that Neo's powers as the one were linked to Trinity. Oh yeah, by the way, another biblical reference. The Trinity is, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? 
without the Trinity, Jesus is not the same person. This is why the Trinity goes right hand in hand with Jesus. A lot of people debate whether the Trinity was in the Bible. Not here to talk about that. That's just the way that some of these people believe. So the um, it was it was, so Neo was obviously tied into the Trinity. Trinity being his like he is. That's what makes him who he is. That the anomaly was activated by the bond between them. So the anomaly in this definition of it is the powers that Neo gets. So Neo's powers and abilities only happen when when he is bonded with Trinity, right? Therefore, he recovered Trinity's corpse as well. So Trinity died and they recovered her, then convinced his superiors to expend considerable energy and effort into repairing and re resurrecting them. That's why it's called resurrections to further his research. So all he wanted to do was continue his research. So he wanted to make them back alive so that he, so the analyst could understand better why Neo, why Neo was the way he was. While the analyst never fully understood the anomaly, he gained much more knowledge about it and realized that through Neo's low level link to all of the other humans plugged into the simulation, he could actually increase energy output in the entire matrix when Neo's bond to Trinity was strained, but not entirely severed, keeping them tantalizingly close but in anguish. So, again, this is super, super critical to understand what the matrix and the whole movie. So, Neo, um, he, as he says here, Neo's low-level link to all of the other humans plugged into the simulation. So, Neo, again, very biblically, like Jesus, is is connected to all these other human beings. And so, again, using Neo as the this this in this movie, by the way, Neo is a famous video game developer. Like he is a famous video game developer. Like he's very well known. Uh, he's he's like you know he made the Matrix, and the Matrix games apparently are some of the most amazing games you know, ever, right? So Neo is correct connected to that, but also the analyst explained, I don't know if it's in here. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read this whole thing. It's too much. Uh, but the analyst does later on explain how human suffering is, uh, it, it, it produces more energy, but also as you see here, what also produces more energy is Neo being inside of the Matrix. So because Neo is back in the Matrix, as long as he's alive and he's in the Matrix, the energy output from all the other humans is actually more efficient. And I don't mean energy output as in what they're like in the Matrix. No, I mean what the energy is being produced inside of their little little pods you know, that they actually live in, right? The energy output is so much more. And apparently, you know, there's all of these other elements that go into it because it's not just the machine city. There's also other machines that exist, these other AI robots that exist in other parts of the world that are that are actually uh, warring against each other. They actually have tribes and they're warring against each other. And in this movie, you saw that some of the AI systems, some of these robotic, you know, these machines become friendly with humans after they saw what happened to Neo. And um, it's just really fascinating with all these different correlations, but Neo sacrificing himself for humanity was this awakening for other machines to side with human beings. And so in this movie, you have machines that are actually coexisting, co-inhabiting with people inside of uh, Zion. But of course they... They call it a different city now. Like Zion was destroyed or something. 
Uh, but there's a whole other city now. And so anyways, I mean, that part of the plot, personally, I mean, I kind of enjoyed. Um, I liked that that whole concept because it makes a lot of sense, uh, especially when, of course, they said that the suffering itself is is uh, is is reason why they actually have um, more power. More power is generated, right? The emotional suffering generates more electricity. So I think that there's a lot of different things. I mean, personally, like, of course, the way the movie ends uh, in this one, spoiler alert, of course, uh, let me see if it was like, of course, Neo and Trinity end up back together, their bond. And then as you find out, both Neo and Trinity have powers and abilities inside of the matrix. Um, and now it looks like they go back to the analyst and they told the analyst, Hey, we're going to start co-creating the matrix to be, you know, better for humans or whatever. I'm not really sure what's going to happen because what really has to happen is those human beings have to be saved from their pod, right? I mean, that's really what needs to happen. And so, uh, who knows? But there's definitely going to be another Matrix. I do believe that there's going to be more movies because there are a lot of unfinished plots. There are the, the Merovigian guy. I don't even know if I'm saying that name right. But there's the guy who was there. He said, this is not over. If you remember the movie, he said this is not over when they were in that fighting scene in uh, what was it, church or something? I don't know what 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 building it was in, but he said this is not over because there's clearly something more that's going to happen. So there's a lot of things that let lead me to believe there's going to be more movies. There might even be a whole new trilogy, um, and I say that because, as I mentioned, the programs, the Matrix, the Architect, the Analyst, the Oracle, you know, um, and then there's Sati, you know, which is this other woman who's got other abilities, uh, other programs. There's all these different programs and there's all these different things that can – there's elements to the, the movies themselves. You honestly could go and, and, and do endless, endless, endless um, movies with, with The Matrix, you know? And so I think that um, you're going to see a lot of – I think you're going to see more. I think you're going to see more films. So I'm kind of excited for it. I think a lot of people had different mixed opinions about it. It didn't get good ratings. But I think it's because a lot of people just don't even know the movies and they don't know the written – a lot of the written content and stuff around The Matrix. But of course we know that there's – it's so relevant to today's world. Um, it's hard to believe it's not, you know. Um, let's see. I've got comments here like looking at some of these. Wow. Y'all are like – yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, there's so much there. Okay, good. So good comments here. Good good comments on Facebook we're getting. Um, but yeah. So yeah, 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 the therapist. Yeah. So I think that, uh, yeah, no, if you don't know, I hope that this podcast kind of helped you understand the movie better. Maybe even appreciated the movie a little bit better. A lot of people, obviously like my friends all left. They're like, oh, that movie, it makes sense. It was dumb. I didn't like it. And I'm like, y'all are like either A, you're, you're asking for too much which is hard enough because like you're not going to top the trilogy that is the 1999 matrix. Like you're just not going to do it. Um, so there's like, you're, you're thinking you're, you're having too high of expectations. Like I came in with super low expectations, obviously, because I mean, how often do people screw up, you know, great movies that are sort of remakes, right? I mean, look at James Bond, which I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to do a, a podcast that I'm going to review James Bond. By the way, if you'll leave a comment or something or a review or whatever on the podcast if you're listening, if you enjoy movie reviews and looking at deep thoughts, deep deep sort of – I guess you could say there's uh, meaning behind certain things in movies and film and uh, some of it is on purpose. Some of it is your interpretation. 
But I think movie reviews and looking at film from that studious perspective can help you understand the world better, can help you understand what the globalists are doing, can help you understand the Matrix itself. Lies why I explain the Matrix. Um, it, it helps you ex- understand the Matrix better. It helps you understand how they're implementing new ideas into the consciousness of humanity. They do it through film. They do it through film. They do it through TV shows. They do it through all forms of entertainment. Um, I, I can't say, I mean, look at an, the NFL. I mean, just look at the NFL. Like, that's all I got to say. There's so many different things about it. But yeah, so if you enjoy the film reviews and you enjoy this idea, this content, like let me know because I'm trying to get some feedback from people on what they enjoy the most about the podcast. Uh, but I'm going to be doing more film reviews because it's it's fascinating and um, I personally love film. I uh, have a passion for film and, and like the filmmaking process I have a lot of respect for. So anyways, appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll let you all run for the rest of your day. You guys have a great one. Peace.